Hi, Allison Dunn, owner of Deliberate Directions and your business executive coach. And today our podcast guest is TJ Pierce. He is the owner and founder of Mid-Century Homes by Moniker. And in my opinion, one of the coolest real estate agents here in the Valley. And I know a lot of them and there are a lot of them. So we'll, we'll take that award. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So TJ, thank you very much for being yeah. here with us today. You're welcome. Um, we met in a small coffee shop um, off of Eagle Road mm-hmm. five years ago? No, it was probably seven years ago. Okay, well, I haven't been in the Valley seven years. Well, so then six maybe, years okay, ago. six years ago. Okay. <laughs> and um, my first recollection, do you remember that day? Oh, I very okay, much, so you, yeah. So you, uh, you were working in a printing industry at the yeah. time. And um, you uh, you brought someone tagging along with you, which I don't even know who that was. Yeah, I can't remember either, <laughs> but I do remember I brought somebody. Um, and so TJ uh, pulls up and has this other gentleman sit down, and he absolutely grilled me for an hour yeah. of just super curious questions um, that went all over the place trying to understand my story. And I think that's one of the things that um, you are the best um, interviewer um, I've ever met, <laughs> and I am the one who always gets to ask the questions. So yeah, I took you. I took you aback. Completely yeah. threw me off guard, yeah. and I left there going, "I don't even know what that was." <laughs> <laughs> but what's fun is um, there's two specific things that I remember about that. Um, one is that. Um, you asked more questions than anyone I'd ever met, and you asked questions about an event I was doing on the heels of an event that you were doing. Okay. Um, and in that one coffee meeting, our lives have taken completely different directions since that time. Well, I mean, we have definitely grown to places where I think yeah. neither of us knew we would be. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So um, one of the um, one of the focuses I'd like to spend on this particular time together this time yeah. is um, I would like for you to share your story um, like you have recently yeah. done, and um, I think your area of expertise or your zone of genius is really understanding the market you serve, and so I'm going to grill you on questions on that. Sure, yeah. you'll return the favor and grill me. I will. <laughs> it's your turn. So. Okay, so give us kind of the general background of of mid century homes. Yeah, I mean, um, I had a home built in 2012 that was modeled after a mid-century style era home that uh, architect in town, his name's um, Steve Roth. Uh, He built on the corner of Lake Hazel and Maple Grove, kind of South Boise area, built this little track that was mid-century styled homes. Um, not 100% sold out to the era, but definitely, you know, strongly leaning that direction. Um, and that's what tipped us off to it to begin with, was it was unlike anything other, you know, new home construction that we had seen and totally caught our attention and we wanted to learn more about it. And he did a pretty good job at helping us kind of unpack what this thing was and why it was different, what the principles were around it that he was you know, trying to model after. And so that just started us down a journey of what mid-century architecture was all about. Um, took us about three years to realize that um, we had become disenfranchised with our home because although it was, had a lot of 
you know, mirroring and, and modeling after the era it wasn't really a mid-century home. Okay. So um, in, combined with an industry that I had been serving in that copying and print industry, primarily selling um, commercial grade copying and printing equipment, which most offices have throughout the Treasure Valley, okay. um, I, I had gotten a little bit tired of the industry and how I was being asked to do business development. Um, and a, you know, a couple things had transitioned um, financially for me. Um, where I was discontent with what my industry was doing. And so it put a lot of pressure on me and forced me to reevaluate and you know think about um, other things that I could be spending my time doing. So in conjunction with that home and being disenfranchised with it and some things that were going on with me in the professional space, um, it, it lended me to um, the world of real estate and understanding at least at the time that there were 4,500 realtors in the Treasure Valley. Currently today, there's over 7,000. Um, but even at that time, it was real clear to me that um, as I was evaluating that industry, that most of the agents that were there were very um, generalist in their approach, selling everything to everybody. And um, combined with the fact that uh, I had a very specific interest in mid-century architecture, we started, my wife and I started talking about the idea or the concept of breaking into that very oversaturated market with a very specific focus to tackle the idea of really being a resource to somebody who called themselves a mid-century enthusiast. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the whole concept for the model that had been birthed out of, you know, a handful of those circumstances that were brewing, um, I, I decided it was time to get into the real estate game and transition out of my uh, previous industry and centered it all around this idea of um, servicing anybody that called themselves a mid-century enthusiast and trying to uh, really match make them to one of the 11,000 homes in Boise, Idaho that has been built in the 50s and 60s. So there, there are 654 of them that sold last year, which is about 1,300 transactions. Mm -hmm. And any one single real estate agent um, is going to struggle to take down 1,300 deals. Mm -hmm. So the, the concept was, could we be a market share leader in that space and try to, you know, year over year over year, tackle more and more market share in that space? Um, this year will end up at about 3.5% of the market, um, which will close somewhere about 55 deals. And we'll Congrats. be at, thank you, and we'll be at uh, probably between 18 and 19 million uh, by the end of this year with six agents mm -hmm. on the team helping support that vision. Um, we make mid-century dreams come true. <laughs> that is our um, proposition to the clientele that we work with. Yeah. Uh, and we do do that. We, we do that for ourselves and we do that for our clients. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was kind of the impetus behind how we had started um, just gotten really, you know, tired of the industry I was in and looking for something new. And on my 37th birthday, we decided it was time to make the change because if we didn't do it now, we were never going to do it. So that answered the question? That absolutely answers okay. the question. Yeah. Um, in one of, I think, your first marketing strategies, if it's okay that I call it that, yeah. you invited me for to meet you at, a, at another coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> piled me into a car with another friend of yours. Two other two strangers, other friends, that's yeah. right. So me, me and yeah. two, actually, yeah, they were strangers at yeah. the time. Um, and you drove us around yeah. showing us um, mid-century homes yeah. that were in the area that you were not listing. Yeah. Just yeah. ones that you appreciated. Right. So it was that was your go on tour. So the first picture of your first tour, correct, yeah. was the five of us yeah. together. And 
I think this past weekend I saw a photo of your tour, which you've been now doing for years. Mm -hmm. How many people were in that photo? I think we were at like 27 people that yeah. had joined us. So, um, how many? Um, how has that been for your business? Well, um, you know, probably the more important thing that that one event has done for us is. It, it's been a catalyst for us to talk about what's out there. Mm -hmm. So we do it on a monthly basis, which is the second Saturday of every month, and we gather at the Starbucks on the corner of Cashia and Vista, which all of you are welcome to join us at, um, at like about 9.45 on the second Saturday of the month. And then from 10 to noon, we, we select three homes that are currently available for purchase, built in the 50s and 60s, mm -hmm. and we just caravan from one home to the next to the next. It's a place where it, we can always invite somebody to. It's that one thing that we can, hey, you should join us on the home tour. And really the concept for the, for the strategy was, uh, I felt like our market and myself didn't truly know everything that was out there. So it was more like a, an exploratory thing. Mm -hmm. um, hey, I'm gonna go check out three cool mid-century homes and I don't care who joins me. Okay. And it's just always been an open invite. And so we'll get anywhere from, you know, on a low month, we'll get 15 people to join us. In the peak of summer, you know, we've had like 45 people join us. Mm -hmm. So we don't really care who comes. It's just an opportunity for us to get out there and, and see where these homes are located, mm -hmm. what styles of, you know, particular mid-century architecture being represented in each home. And it's, you know, a teaching, training, education tool. Mm -hmm. um, we get to kind of peel back the layers for where this stuff is, where it exists, and, and what it is. And we can kind of help build some vocabulary um, an explanation around the certain things that are going on. Right. You know, tongue and groove cedar ceilings with post and beam construction and floor to ceiling wi windows that let in natural light. And okay. why the heck are those countertops and oven and um, stove all pink? And why does that matter? <laughs> you know, and so we get a lot of those. And then, and then the other thing that probably takes up some of our time on those home tours is we will tour um, homes that are built in that area that have gone through recent renovations. Mm -hmm. And we'll use that as an opportunity for things like, here's some cool things that are of the era that were great moves to make. Right. And other things that people have done where we're like, eh, not really era appropriate. We probably would have recommended that people do this instead. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one of the things that we kind of built our original marketing plan on. The second thing that we built it on was the concept of doing an actual homeowner feature. And so my, my original commitment when we launched the company was to do a monthly tour and a monthly homeowner feature. And the homeowner feature was one particular mid-century home that was done really, really well. Mm -hmm. And then we had to convince the owner that had no idea who we were and what we were doing with all these pictures of their homes that it was to service helping mid-century enthusiasts understand what a well-done mid-century home looks like. So now we have a collection of, I think we've done probably, I don't know, over 20 homeowner features. Um, we've, last year to 18 months, it, it's uh, been one of the things that's been on the back burner for us, but the original uh, motivation was to be able to provide that as a template for other mid-century enthusiasts mm -hmm. to follow. Like, oh, hey, did you see our January homeowner feature and how they did, you know, the VCT tiling in the kitchen with mm -hmm. the particular cutter, color patterns and shapes and how that's an era appropriate thing. And we would use it kind of as a 
template for our mid-century enthusiasts to go back to whenever they're talking about what they could be doing in their own home or you know those types of things so it was home home tour and then a homeowner feature and we are really dedicated to both of those things for the first two years of our business. Mm-hmm. Homeowner or uh, home tours that we've done always and forever, we will continue to do them and okay. we never budge there. Um, homeowner features, we're trying to get kind of back on deck, uh, but because we've uh, positioned ourselves to be experts and demand is increasing, that part of our business strategy has kind of fallen back to the wayside just a little bit. But we do love them and wish we could do more of them. Okay. So Cool. Um, so starting mid-century homes um you started with zero followers right? yeah um so where are you at today oh um facebook we're at probably like 4400 followers um but instagram has become one of our more primary tools mm-hmm. uh, and we just crossed the 13,100 followers on instagram that's awesome yeah so um, and then our website will collect probably I don't know, 1,000 to 1,500 visits a month. So whenever we're, you know, propositioning somebody for on the list side, um, things that we can do to help, we tell people that we have an audience monthly of about 20,000 people that are paying attention to the work that we do. Mm, that's so, amazing, Yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, what has been the, the key tools that you've used to build that type of Instagram following? Um, like what are people responding to? Yeah, I'm, I, I want to back it up just a little bit because Instagram starts with uh, the, the main question that you've got to answer is, what's your content? Right. And in our particular industry, there's many, many, many realtors that think they know how they should leverage Instagram um, that are offering content that's uninteresting. Mm-hmm. And they don't get great response rates out of it because it's not very interesting. Well, in our particular model, we have a very specific product that we obsess over mm-hmm. and drool over regularly. And it drives our everyday like hunt mm-hmm. for finding more of that locally or a new person that, I mean, we just look for it everywhere we go. So as we look for it and as we are interacting with it, we create content along the way. And, um, you know, an iPhone is a really amazing tool, as you're using right now. (laughs) And and we use it for probably 80, maybe 75% of the content that we create. Um, Everybody on the team has an iPhone. And um, we're, you know, framing good pictures, highlighting good mid-century architecture, um, interior, exterior photos, landscaping, um, kitchen, bathrooms, like anytime we're interacting with anything that's unique, interesting, or amazing, everybody's trying to capture that Instagram worthy photo mm-hmm. on the team and then we'll reshare it. But because we have a product that we're very specific about, it's one thing, although there's you know various implementations of it, it also attracts a very particular client. And I think that the easiest way to define our target audience is the group of people who are creatives in the world, whether it be music or dance or ad agency or graphic designer or advertiser, marketer, anybody that's creating something is is the easiest way to define our target audience. And so we know that that group of people 
are highly attracted to the visual. Mm-hmm. And so our goal is to um, highlight a particular product that is very sexy just by nature of what it is, and then make sure that um, the tools that we're using to capture uh, and document that particular product are done in such a way that it will be relevant through the lens of somebody who's checking us out on Instagram. So Instagram worthy you know, picture that we then reshare. Uh, it's, it's all about creating the right content for your target audience. Mm-hmm. And if you know your product well and you know the audience of people that will most likely mm-hmm. want to consume or appreciate what you're creating, then you can think about that from their perspective. The advantage that I have and everybody on the team has is that we're, we're our own target market. Okay. So everybody on the team's a mid-century enthusiast. Everybody lives in the mid-century home. So it's easy for us to market to ourselves. That's what we want. Because that's how you communicate already. Right, exactly. Um, because you just triggered something that made me, I would like for you to share what your pillars are for when you hire hire your team members, because I think it's kind of fun the way yeah. you position it. Um, so for us, although we do have two of the six agents on our team that have had previous real mm-hmm. estate experience, that's not a, a critical component for us. We actually prefer that somebody is not a realtor yeah. prior to joining our team. Um, so what we hunt for is somebody that loves that architecture mm-hmm. and then also loves people. So those are the two values that we have in our company that there's no reason to discuss working with us unless you do have a love for people and a love for uh, mid-century architecture. Mm -hmm. If those two things exist, then we can kind of fill in the gaps around all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, We've, you know, through, I think we've interviewed, what is it, maybe like 10 people and we've had two hires that have not gone as planned. Mm-hmm. Um, we have continued to kind of modify what our other things that are also important okay. are. <laughs> so um, so we've kind of added that people know how to, you know, clearly communicate, set proper expectations, and have a desire to deliver the ultimate customer experience. Mm-hmm. So these are things that we're trying to flesh out in our most recent round of interviews. Um, but really at the core, if you love mid-century architecture and you love people, that particular individual will be relevant to our target audience. Yeah. And that's what we want on the team is, is anybody uh, anybody or anything or any tool that we're using that is its customer or client facing that it's relevant. Mm-hmm. And as long as we can keep that relevancy in place, then any tool or person that we add to the team is just kind of an easy natural fit. Mm-hmm. So. I think um, I recall you, so it sounds like you've kind of uh, fine-tuned what your criteria is. I remember you saying at one point, um, people who love grandma's home. Yeah, so mid-century architecture or, or grandma's home. home. Yeah, we will say grandma's home, but for the audience of people, most of them don't know what that means. That's, but that's yeah, that's so fair. yeah, we love people and love grandma's home and grandma's home can be interchanged with mid-century <laughs> architecture, so yes. Um, in your journey, what has been the most challenging part of it? Hmm. I think probably year one um, was was difficult. Um, I was convinced that my marketing strategy would um, 
deliver. Um, I, I thought I was going to kill it, right? Like when I started, I'm like, there's no way this isn't going to work. <laughs> and um, I, mean, I think I, you said that. I think you, you did. You yeah, oh, yeah. I, I had zero <laughs> doubt in my mind that, that I was going to slay the competition, right? So my 10th month in, uh, although I had leveraged some financial resources that were available to me to make that transition, and I sold a house that was more expensive and bought one that was less expensive, uh, there was a limited runway of funds. And by that 10th month, I had gotten to the point where, you know, I'd made some investments in the business, I'd covered personal expenses for us. That 10th month, it got really uncomfortable. And so I landed um, at a call center working every week for about 200 bucks for gas and groceries yeah. from my 10th month to my 14th month. And I was very uncertain during that window as to whether or not I would have to let it go and pick up a corporate job or find a real estate shop that had enough leads for me to go work. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't willing to let go of my business model if I came to work for that team. So there was a lot of kind of tension in that with the few people that I was interviewing with in the real estate space. And um, I'm glad none of them were so quick to say yes, because in that 14th month, uh, in the spring of that following year, our business kind of took off. So our first year we did 11 deals and 2.4 million. And in our second year we did 37 deals and 8.7 million. And so I'm really glad that that second year ended up working out the way that it did. But in my kind of 13th month in, the, in my business model, I really had no idea if it was gonna work. And if I had to go back and get a corporate job um, suiting up again, and I really didn't wanna do that. So I think it was just a handful of things that were really hesitant that, that made me kind of hold on a little bit longer than I was comfortable with, but glad that we did uh, because ever since then, I mean, the sky's the limit and we haven't looked back. So right. yeah, that was probably the hardest was that window. Even though I had my wife's support right. and she was all on board and totally was okay with me working at the call center to try to cover the gap. Yeah. Uh, we both knew that that was not a long-term arrangement. Sure. So, But working for Man Crates was pretty cool. Uh, Man Crates was probably <laughs> the only call center environment that I could work in and survive. Because yeah. everything else that I know about call centers, I would not have done well for right. them. Right. <laughs> but yeah, Man Crates was cool. <laughs> um, what has been your most surprising, <clears throat> pleasant, it just came easy? Um, the unexpected fulfilling surprises mm -hmm. yeah uh i think the whole concept for what we were trying to build although you know i did the research to determine whether or not it was a viable business model with the number of transactions that were happening and whether or not our market had enough inventory to support it um you know th those were all kind of the financial expectations of what i'd be able to turn for profit um the unexpected um, like the the secondary motivation um, in addition to profitability was creating experiences for myself in this world of mid-century architecture um, that were personally fulfilling and rewarding mm -hmm. and so um, there is one particular home that almost defines the era and is the, the one home that's photographed and leveraged when explaining mid-century architecture more than any other home. And it's called the Stall House, case study house number 22. And it sits- Of it, yours? No, no. No, K 
of all, all mid-century architecture, yeah, of all okay. mid-century architecture across the globe, um, this very one specific home is called the Case Study House Number Twenty Two, okay. and it's a collection of you know forty some homes that was a post-war um, post-war movement between Arts and Architecture, a magazine, and the federal government to build really cost-effective but super sexy residential homes for returning war vets. Mm -hmm. And so this this collection of 40 homes, Case Study House number 22, is the one home that shows up like on the front cover of whatever book's talking about mid-century architecture. It's the most photographed mid-century home ever of all times. So um, what I did not realize was gonna translate as quickly as it did was that I would get invitations with the owners of a home like that to sit on their back patio and drink beers and swim in their swimming pool while the lights went down on LA. That's nice. Yeah, and so um, when we, me and my wife had gotten the invitation to visit their home and have that experience, I had no idea that um, it was probably like it was probably like 16 months into the business model mm -hmm. uh, that that opportunity had presented itself. And so when my wife and I were in the middle of experiencing that, uh, we both kind of looked at each other going, oh, that's pretty cool. uh, we have arrived. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, more and more opportunities like that yeah. has continued to happen. Uh, but that was probably the most mind-blowing that was very unexpected. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was definitely a motivation of, it's got to be profitable and provide for the family, but it also needs to be personally rewarding and fulfilling by you know participating in these types of experiences. Mm -hmm. That was not an experience that I had on the bucket list of things mm -hmm. in less than three years of doing business. Yeah. You know that that was definitely awesome. uh, wow! I can't believe that just happened. So, um, in asking you to do this interview today, um, it was uh, with the, the concept that you really have identified a very specialty niche that mm -hmm. you're very passionate about and you're doing it really well. Is your niche too narrow or are you going to continue to fine tune it? I guess like yeah. what would be next? Where, how are you improving this? Yeah, and it's a great question because we get asked it often. Yeah. We got asked that question when we started the business model. We get asked that question last week. Yeah. I'll get asked that question tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, people are always asking us that question because in most people's minds, they think of mid-century architecture as that mid-century modern collection, mm -hmm. which is a very sub-select group of that overall mid-century architecture. But 11,000 homes in Boise is a lot. Mm -hmm. And with 1,300 transactions being available for us to continue to take market share from, um, our opportunity in Boise is not going to run out anytime soon. Excellent. So there's absolutely you know, further potential in our own local market. Mm -hmm. But based on the way that we built the business model and what I was projecting for a, a future plan was I didn't want this, to, this um, business to have to require me, which is a lesson that I've learned from you along the ways, <laughs> uh, that if you know you don't have a business unless it can operate without your active involvement. So if it can be sustainable without you being there and it can create profit without you showing up tomorrow, that's a business. Otherwise, all you really have, if my name was TJ Pierce Real Estate, is a cool job that right. I'm the best employee of. Right. I did not want that. I had zero interest in creating that. And there's a lot of real estate models out there where that is the case. Mm -hmm. Using your name in your face to build it usually requires that you're showing up tomorrow. Right. So what I wanted to build was um, a service company 
with multiple people on the team that when our phone rang, there's any one of us that can service a mid-century enthusiast that's looking to buy, sell, or perfect their mid-century home. And today, that is definitely the case. Any six of us can answer the phone and we're all qualified to help and answer questions. Mm-hmm. But what that also offers us the opportunity to do is to grow into other markets, which we will do. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are starting to have the conversations. Um, We are definitely exploring strategic relationships with other mid-century enthusiasts who have collections of these mid-century homes like we do here um, to then provide that same level of service to our market that they could to their market. Um, And we're exploring that. So I think that long-term, Um, We could easily be in five to eight different markets besides Boise with a team on the ground of anywhere from one to five people in each market. So So duplicating the model you have here in... And how many ever markets we want to do. Yeah, as long as there's a there's a good collection of mid-century architecture that warrants the business model to exist there. Yeah, so that'll happen for sure. Awesome. CJ, how did you um, how did you hire on? You've grown a team, yeah. um, so how what's the technique that you've used to do that? You know, it's actually really funny. Um, it, it's true of both the clients that we get and the people that we've added to the team. It's all very self-selecting. We are obsessively passionate about a very particular product, mm-hmm. and just by nature of the type of content that we create, really for ourselves, mm-hmm. that then others just like us consume. It's just a magnet, right? It just, over time, these people start kind of coming out of the woodworks. Mm -hmm. Uh, The very first person that we brought on the team was a designer um, who had a lot of mid-century interior design experience. Mm -hmm. She had pulled herself out of the corporate space um, by raising her family. And so she had kind of transitioned to stay-at-home mom. And her kids were just getting to age where they were going back to school. And she was following us on the home tours. Mm -hmm. And then she had kind of positioned me or or propositioned me with a particular idea. Why don't I take one of the three homes that we see on the home tour and I can draw a sketch Mm -hmm. of a particular space in the house that wasn't how I would like it. And then I can kind of interior design it. And then we can share that on your Instagram page for the people who came on the home tour to see what I would have done with that space. I'm like, yes. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Let's do it. Uh, She is now Stussy Lukey Designs Mm -hmm. and has 3,500 followers of her own on Instagram. And she has built her whole interior design practice around doing that. So she is exclusively mid-century interior design. But about a year, maybe 10 months to a year into her doing that work, Mm -hmm. um, I had propositioned her with becoming a real estate agent. So to kind of supplement her practice, Mm -hmm. um, because I think one leads into the other. If you're gonna perfect somebody's home, the day in which they choose to sell it, why else wouldn't you be the best person to market that home who actually designed it for them? So I invited her into that role. She was our very first um, agent, you know, hired agent on the team. Um, And this year, she did about 60% of her income through real estate and 40% of it through interior design. And she was actually able to take her family to Europe for two months during the summer. It was totally awesome. Yeah, she's, uh, I think, 
probably two and a half years into the business and she has gotten more than she planned on getting out of by investing into our team and and being around that sphere. Um, Our very second agent is Vance and Vance we pulled out of um, the furniture sales industry, Um, but he was also a mid-century enthusiast and just kind of naturally we attracted him um, and continued having conversations to the point that I realized like, man, this guy loves people, loves mid-century architecture. And we weren't quite ready when we invited him to join. Yeah. Um, we didn't have anything, that, but just over time, it was actually in our um, third year of doing business that we attracted the most mm-hmm. um, uh, people to join our team. And then even this year, like there's been a lot of kind of natural opportunities to connect and interview people mm-hmm. to see if they might be a future fit. I think like probably many people who are hiring um, and have more work than they can handle. That, mm-hmm. And um, trying to retain the quality control is that you're not ever really hiring, but you're kind of always hiring. Mm-hmm. So we're always interviewing people that we think would be a good fit for the team, but they just come to us naturally because of the content that we're creating. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and it was a little bit more of a fight on the client side to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the first year of doing business, that was kind of a different story, yeah. but. So that leads into a great question. Um, in when you launch a business, sometimes yeah. you serve in a way that you wouldn't like take now. So, yeah. what was your first transaction? How did you get it? And was mm-hmm. it a mid-century home? Yeah. Oh man, um, it was kind of funny. The the three of you that I invited on the home tour, yeah. uh, two of those folks ended up becoming first-year clients of mine, That's awesome. and Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> be, because. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, they were more my target client, right? Mm-hmm. So um, one of them bought a mid-century home. The other one bought an early 70s home, okay. very close to mid-century architecture. Um, but uh, it was definitely kind of that friend sphere that launched it. Um, but really, I think, I think the, the majority of the business that we started collecting in that first year came out of the, home, the homeowner features and the home tours that we were doing. And as we are continuing to publish that content, um, we got you know interest collected, and I'd say six of the eleven deals that we did that first year were in the era, and then the second year, the thirty-seven deals that we did, man, probably like ninety-five percent of our business was done in our niche market, and that's kind of the case. Ninety-six to ninety-eight percent of the business that we do. Um, the majority of it's in our niche market. The exception is when my brother-in-law says, you know, hey, will you help me sell my home? And, you know, we begrudgingly say yes, but we do it every now and again. Or if we have somebody who owns a home in Meridian that wants to buy a mid-century home, we'll use our brokerages brand to list their Meridian home as they're transitioning to a mid-century home. So we can keep that business in-house, but typically people don't chase us for this stuff. Again, it's like not naturally selecting, but it was really just content creation and attracting. Because mm-hmm. I had came from an industry that I had to knock on doors like yours all day long right. to go get my business. And I knew I wanted to create something that was causing people to come to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we did a lot of door knocking in year one, a lot of door knocking to get homeowner features and other things like that. Right. So like you said, I mean, it was something that we did in our first year of doing business that wasn't 
really our, our natural uh, way of doing business right. or the way that we really wanted to do business, but we had to evangelize and get the word out. And so we did the hard work of you know, raising the flag and knocking on the doors and talking to as many people as we could about the work that we were doing. And then over time, it, it started to create that you know, interest and magnetic mm-hmm. approach. What is your, um, what's your go-to marketing book? What's, you know, what's influenced you the most? Yeah, I'd say the book that I've read that I have consumed at a very high level um, in the last couple years has been um, The Business of Expertise. I loved that uh, book. Written by David A. Smith. Mm-hmm. And um, it was probably more of a, you know, we, we are attracted to things that we're already thinking about and already mm-hmm. doing. So mm-hmm. it wasn't It was more of an opportunity for me to um, define and give better vocabulary to the thoughts that I already had. Uh, But he had, you know, explored his own strategies and and story um, using his own kind of subset of language that helped me then apply to my own business model why I'm doing what I'm doing. So in in that particular book, he's an ad agency uh, employee that thinks he can do it better, so then starts his own ad agency and fails miserably, and then comes back to the same industry as a consultant for ad agency's owner since he did it so well the first time. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious, actually. How, how did you apply what you learned in it? I So... Um, in conjunction with that resource, mm-hmm. um, there's somebody that I was following, mm-hmm. and it was a combination of both of those resources. The, the person I was following, um, he wrote a book called um, How to Defeat the Mega Agent. Uh, his name's Ryan Fletcher, and then he had a podcasting series called The Agent Marketing Syndicate. And he talks about, uh, he uses this term called the TGP, which is the guru party, which is how everybody does real estate, the (laughs) masses, how the masses do real estate. And he fights against it all the time and all the content that he creates. And he's trying to teach people a better way to do the industry. And it really is all about trying to create your... Um, your own thing, the one thing that somebody knows you by. And so the business of expertise and the Agent Marketing Syndicate podcast and how to defeat the mega agent book um, helped me just have more confidence in how I was being very selective in what we were doing. And then the natural byproduct of all of this um, niche market strategy that we have it creates like insane levels of efficiency in what we do. So that when we're comparing how we do business in our industry to another agent, how they do their business, that shockingly different results in the amount of time it takes to convert a lead, in the amount of time it takes to work a transaction, in the amount of time it takes to stage a home, in the amount of time it takes to all of these things that like, are insanely efficient for us Mm -hmm. that they struggle to have efficiencies in. Mm -hmm. And so I think while I was reading through those books, it just reinforced and reminded me to double down on the niche market strategy and really, you know, continue to invest and develop ways that we could do a better job of communicating more effectively with our target audience or looking for, you know, better partnerships or, you know, places where we're looking for clients. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then as we've applied our business of expertise and applied our strategies in defeating the mega agent, which really is the idea that, you know, you're a small guy starting out and there's some really big players in our marketplace. 
a lot of these players that are big timers in our industry have developed that over 20 years of being in business. Like there's no way to compete with that. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that, that Ryan Fletcher is trying to help people accomplish through his resources that he's developed is helping people to make um, rapid impact and rapid profitability and rapid awareness. We talk about top of mind awareness in our mm -hmm. industry. How do you become the top of mind realtor, the go-to realtor that everybody trusts? And you're like, oh. So for me, I don't care about that. What I care about is if a mid-century enthusiast has a need of buying or selling a home that they think of us. Mm -hmm. So it's top of mind awareness to a very particular group of people. Mm -hmm. And by leveraging those resources that we were learning from, it's just helped us do an even better job than you know, what we were already previously doing. Just help us kind of refine and tweak and dial in how we can even be better at what we do. For sure. Yeah. In in you mentioning that um, in that first tour there were there were four of us and two of them had already bought and I sort of was you know yeah shame, you know you shamed me yeah um, I did not shame you <laughs> when when, uh, when we went to market and I called you I yeah. you know I definitely wanted to like get the opportunity you were like well do you even do you even like mid century homes I mean like, we, do you know where they're located like is that where you want to live have you walked through the communities and that was such awesome questions to help me understand that you really are a specialist and that is what you your specialty is in and to not have me hop in your car and you know take you up to Hidden Springs and take me over to Avamore and like you know we look at all the things everywhere totally yeah and, so. and a lot of realtors would do yeah. that and yeah. and no real knock on them because a yeah. lot of them have built really great businesses out For of sure. that but that's not of interest to us yeah. you know and and like in anything you know, Montgomery Wards, the department stores turning into specialty local boutique stores, right? I mean, we are specialty local boutique. Mm -hmm. There's one very specific thing that we do, and we try to do a pretty good job mm -hmm. of asking anybody that is entertaining the idea of doing business with us a handful of questions just for us to identify, are you really our target client? Because right. if you're not, it's going to be painful for us <laughs> right. and probably painful for right. you, but it will be even more painful for us. And we don't like we're creating this so that we can have joy and excitement and, sure. and fulfillment out of what we do tomorrow. And working with somebody that's not our target client is not going to deliver right. that experience. And in that you asked great questions. And what I realized is I probably am your target. But my my husband is not right. And that would have been yeah. complicated. So totally, yeah. So yeah. your your process was really smooth to quickly identify and deselect myself. Yeah. So right. Yeah, kudos. you fired yourself. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so no shaming in that. No. <laughs> I mean seriously. I mean that's yeah. it, it. You have to understand who you are and what you're looking for. And equally on the other side, even though I don't think realtors do a very good job of this, they need to understand who they are and what they're good at. Right. The, I think the challenge becomes there, there's a lot of them that want to be good at everything. Mm -hmm. Well, we saw where Montgomery Wards went, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's not what the majority of consumers are looking for today, is somebody that knows a little bit about everything. Majority of them are looking for people that have a very spe specific area of expertise because mm -hmm. the type of customer experience I can deliver to you by leveraging my expertise is night and day difference mm -hmm. between me just being a generalist. Right. That's the type of experiences that we want to deliver. Because you're such a great example to follow, how should how could someone find you and um, you know follow what you're doing and see how you're 
creating this niche. Yep, so uh, you can find us online at mid-centuryhomes.com, but then you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Boise Mid-Century Homes. Okay, awesome. TJ, thank you so much. Absolutely. That was a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you.